0: Good morning, church. Wow, I'm, I'm super loud there, Gary. Can you drop it down? Thank you. Uh, it's so great for uh, me to be here with you this morning and to be able to share God's Word with you. For those of you who don't know who I am, um, my name is Joey. I'm one of the pastors at SBC, so it's just great to be able to be here and share God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles with you, will you please open them up to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 16. We'll be uh, continuing our journey through this uh, book, and this is where we find ourselves in. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, so don't worry if it's a little different to yours. It's all right. I just uh, prefer this version. Uh, it goes as follows. Um, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the house of. Household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in in glory. Lord, we, we come before you this morning and we just want to acknowledge as we've been doing uh, this whole morning that you are our king, that you are our God, and uh, it's just such a wonderful honor for us to be able to come into your presence and to hear from you. Uh, so we pray, Lord, that we we would that would happen this morning, that your presence would be felt, that your word would be uh, received, and that our hearts would be challenged and changed and convicted and encouraged and have a sense of peace and joy because we have experienced your presence this morning. May you take my simple explanations of this passage and use them for the glory of Jesus Christ, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word of the year Uh, um, has come out already a couple of weeks ago. And for those of you who don't know what the word of the year is, Oxford Dictionary gets together and they uh, decide which word uh, describes us as a society best or a word that has been used quite often. So in 2013, and this will give you a bit of an idea of how well we're doing as a human race, um, the word for 2013 was selfie. Um, for those of you who don't know what selfie is, you take a, your camera or your uh, phone and you take a picture of yourself. And if you're a 13 year old girl, you kind of give a bit of a pout at the same, <laughs> at the same t- time as you do it. Um, it just kind of gives you a bit of uh, how well we are doing a bit there. At 2014, now, it doesn't get any better. I kid you not, the word wasn't even a word, it was an emoticon. Now, for those of you who don't know what Emoticon is, it's, uh, it's like this little, when you send a text message or you're on WhatsApp with your, the newest smartphones. for those of you a little bit older, and um, they are the little pictures you can send, like a little smiley face or a little thumbs up. So it was the crying with laughter face. So instead of ha-ha, you put down this one. It was the word of the year. I can't really mock because it's the one I use the most as well. Um, but it, that was the word of the year. 2015... Was the word vape? Um, now I had to kind of look up what this was, um, but it's the electric electric cigarette, pretty much. That it's like electric kind of smoking. I don't know what it really does, but it's 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 pretty much a cigarette that's electric. All right, that's as much as information I can give to you. But that was the word for 2015. The word for 2016. Um, which, as I said, was announced a couple of uh, weeks ago, was the word "post-truth" or the phrase "post-truth." The idea behind post-truth is the idea that we um, have we make decisions as a society based on emotion rather than facts. So, some historical events that have happened that kind of were used off. This word was used often when these events were happening. Was Brexit? and when Donald Trump became president. So we make decisions based on our emotions. This is why a man that is more well known for the phrase, you fired, or for his brief cameo in Home Alone 2, which was great, but it wasn't because of him, but it was great. And now that he has held no political office before can become the man who holds the highest office in the United States, if not in the whole entire world. We make decisions based on emotion rather than truth. And in this passage here, Paul is calling us. Paul is telling us that we need to be a people group that stand firm for truth. That we are exhibitors of truth. That we are truth bearers. And this is something that we need to do but before we can really do this i guess the the question that needs to be asked and answered is what is the truth that we're referring to well well firstly when we when we talk about truth in our postmodern world that we find ourselves in truth is become relevant to you isn't it what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me for example how many of you like olives okay good i'm glad there's a lot of you that don't how many of you don't I'm in this party as well, yeah? Olives are disgusting. However, my wife loves them, and I don't, so it gives you a bit of insight into our marriage here. What happens when I go to a bra and there's a Greek salad, I load up all the olives onto my plate, and then she'll put olives on her plate, and then when I'm done with my salad, I scrape all my olives onto her plate so that she can have some more. We're sneaky like that. Um, But Regardless of how we feel about olives when it comes to our opinion on its tastes, the factual truth of it is that it's a fruit. Now, believe me, it's a fruit. I checked it up. It's a fruit. For how disgusting is this fruit? Anyway, it's a, it's a fruit. And regardless as much as I would like to argue that it's more like poison, it's actually a fruit. And the truth that we hold and we are called to bear is a truth that is factual regardless of the opinion of everybody else regardless of what people think of it or might say about it it is factual and true and it can't be disputed and paul gives us a bit of insight into this this uh, truth in verse 16 i would i would love to unpack verse 16 properly but we just don't have the time this morning but let's, let's read it. It says, he was manifested in the flesh. Talking about Jesus here, yeah? talking about the gospel, summing it up. He was manifested in the flesh. That Jesus Christ was once um, with God in heaven and became God-man by being incarnated, by coming and be taking on flesh like you and I. That he he struggled with the things that we struggle with. He struggles with the hardships of life that Jesus was man and understands the hardships that we went through, but also that he was vindicated by the Spirit. In other words, that while the world that Jesus came into condemned him for all the sins, uh, condemned him and said he was sinful, condemned him and said that he, he was a blasphemer, condes- condemned him and would put him on a cross, the Holy Spirit would vindicate him as righteous and holy so that he could be a man that would die on the cross for your and my sin because he himself did not deserve our punishment and therefore could take our punishment of death upon himself. That he was seen by angels. That while the testimony of the world around might say something different, the angels, these heavenly beings, can look upon Jesus and claim that he is God. That they were there at his very birth, telling those to to look at him. Telling those to go and see the king that has been born in a manger. That they were there at his temptation when when Satan came and tempted Jesus in the wilderness um, for 40 days. And that Jesus came out unscathed, not falling into sin, that they were there to replenish him. They were, can give testimony to that. They can give testimony to his resurrection. That he, yes, he died on the cross, but he was the lamb that was slain. But as we pray uh, sung this morning, that he is the king that has defeated the grave, the our angels give testimony to that. He was proclaimed among the nations, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, to go out into the world and preach Him. Those who had seen this and had believed would go out into the world and proclaim it. And He was believed um, on, in the world that those who heard it that did not see believed and give testimony to their lives, how their lives have changed drastically because of Jesus. And, they were t- and He was taken up in glory, that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the king of kings, actively ruling over this world and will one day come back. That's, in a nutshell, the gospel. And here we have the truth in which we are called to hold, we are called to be exhibitors of, and make sure that this world who does not necessarily hold to truth sees it and understands it. And while they might attack it, we hold firm and hold strong. Paul calls this in this passage as well a mystery. And the reason why he calls it a mystery is not necessarily because we can't understand it. Because we can. There's those of us in this room who understand this mystery. But rather when we refer to it as mystery, we're saying that it was once hidden. But because of the coming of Christ and through the revelation of God's word, we now know this mystery. We now can understand it. But while you and I grasp this mystery... There is this need to make sure that those who don't, those who haven't seen, who haven't, this revelation hasn't been revealed to them, that it's important that they get it, that they know it. It's a matter of life and death. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, that he comes to give life and life abundantly. Without Jesus means no life. Without Jesus means no abundant life, no fullness of life. And those who don't know Jesus, as much and as harsh and as bad as this might sound, they're on a highway that is slippery, which is a slippery slope on the way to hell. And there's this necessity for us, the body of Christ, those who have crossed the line of faith, to make sure that we bear witness to this great mystery that we are exhibitors of this truth, that we are truth bearers in this world, so that they might know this great love that has come for them as well. Hugely, hugely important that we do that. But Paul describes the way we do this in two images. He says that we need to be one pillars. If you look at verse 15, it says... uh, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So one pillar and one buttress of the truth or foundation of the truth. And when we think of pillar, we think of this column that stands up and holds something up. Uh, particularly when I hear the word pillar with the U.S. elections going on, I automatically think of the White House. I watched quite a lot that was going on. And it's quite, it's a beautiful, massive building. And it's got those I- iconic pillars that hold it up, right? It's beautiful. It's great to look at. Well, when Timothy, who was in Ephesus receiving this letter from Paul, when he heard of it, he and the Ephesians, when they heard of it, they would have thought of a different type of a pillar. They would have thought of the the temple of Diana, which was one of the goddesses that was worshipped in Ephesus at the time. She had this massive, gigantic temple uh, that was one of the seven wonders of the world. And inside this temple, they had 127 pillars that were in it each pillar was donated to the temple by a king and inside this temple these pillars would have or each temple uh, each pillar sorry would have uh, gems and precious stones and diamonds covered all over these granite pillars and on top of that they would uh, pour gold all over it so it was a golden granite pillar with gems it was something we can't necessarily fathom ourselves but 127 of them So when when Paul says we need to be pillars of the truth, while there is this aspect of support, you can imagine that the people who are hearing this message from Paul and later from Timothy are also thinking, well, we need to display the majesty of our God. We need to be in such a way that when people look at us and see us and how we conduct ourselves, that they see this majesty of the God we serve. But also, not only just just the pillar, but the the buttress, the the foundation as well. That we need to be a foundation of this this truth. In other words, we need to make sure that, this one's less um, visible, right? Foundations you can't necessarily see. It's less visible, but it's something that's sturdy, something that's strong. That when weather beats up against it, it won't fall over uh, we have in our, our property my, my grandparents place we had five acres of, uh, of land and what we did was we sold the one one side of the land to somebody else and uh, they built a wall but initially they built the wall without a foundation and it didn't take long until a strong wind came over. Though a lovely sized wall the wall just fell over because there weren't any foundations There's this necessity for us to be a foundation that is strong, that holds this truth. In a world that is going to attack it, the world that disagrees with it, because they think via emotion rather than factual truth. It's hugely important for us. So how do we do this? How then do we go and be pillars and be foundations? Well, firstly, if we are going to be a foundation for the gospel, there's a need for us to have our foundations in the gospel. Let me say that again. If we are going to be a foundation for the gospel, there is a need that we have our own personal foundations deeply rooted with the gospel. Our everyday lives, our every aspects—the ver- the the way we think, the way we conduct business, the way we treat our spouses, the way we decide to parents, the way we go around socializing, we do what we do in our leisure time. Every aspect of our lives needs to be enrooted with the gospel. We need to be making sure that we are, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, growing from one degree of glory to another. That we are continuously making sure that the gospel affects the different ways and different areas of our lives. I was, I think, 16, 17 years old, um, around about that Way so between fifteen and seventeen so let's go sixteen it's like the middle. Um, I was sixteen and we headed off to Mozambique on a missions trip, and I went with the pastor from Johannesburg and his uh, his uh, church and we went up and he the pastor himself was before he became a pastor he was a a man who built houses some fancy degree in the states and did that for a living and then one day thought that God was calling him to build. His house, God's house. Uh, in other words, becoming a pastor and helping people come to know Jesus. And while we were there, one of the things that we had to do was that we had to lay down a concrete slab um, for a, a bathroom that was being done in the mission center area that was up in Mozambique. And we laid down the slab and we watered it each and every uh, single day, making sure that it was continuously wet so that it would get hard and, and set well. And one of the interesting things that he told me, so if this is wrong, you can blame him. Um, but one of the interesting things that he told me, he said, Joe, you know, that what's great about concrete is that concrete never stops over several decades getting harder. It's one of the few elements that continues to get harder and harder and harder. Yes, the speed from it from the beginning to, to the end slows down rapidly. The concrete continuously gets harder over several decades, harder and harder and harder. And I was so challenged by that, going how we as Christians, in the beginning, we grow hard rapidly. We, we get stronger in the gospel. We understand it. We, we get to know this great king and Jesus, and we grow. But there is some point that often happens is that we just stop getting harder. We just stop. But we need to be, our foundations need to be more like concrete. They need to continuously get stronger and stronger in this area. We need to continuously push in more into the gospel. How does it affect my life? You see, when, when we have this great glorious God who is mighty and magnificent, who is beyond our imagination, that we could not possibly fathom every aspect of him. That we can never come to a point in our Christian walk where we think, you know what, I got this. Now I know God. I know Him. I know Him fully. We could never do that. I have I have a sneaky suspicion that when once we get to eternity, we're gonna going to spend eternity trying to figure out every aspect of God, because He is just so great. He's so awesome, and we will never do it. You might have been a Christian for fifty years, but the question I have to ask you this morning is how's your concrete? Is it still getting harder or isn't it? Because it can still get harder and harder and harder. And the way we do this, i I want to be quick on this point. And these are Sunday school answers here, but we do this by reading and meditating on God's word, by spending time in that daily, because God's word is his revelation to us about who he is. It's His revelation to us, and as He reveals Himself more to us, we start to realize how we need to be molded and shaped by His Holy Spirit through God's Word. And as we spend time, the other aspect of praying, coming before God, asking Him to intervene in our lives, being honest with Him with the hardships that we are going through, laying our burdens at His feet, coming with petition and asking Him to intervene in our lives, giving thanks and glory for the intervention that He has had, and we put those two together, we will get stronger. We will grow more if we do those daily. I guarantee it. It's, God promises that he will grow us when we do these things. If we are neglecting these two, we are not going to grow nearly as quickly as we should. Nearly as quickly as we should. So the three in this passage, I see three primary ways. One, and I, I just want to, sorry, before I get there, I, I just feel that I should acknowledge that this, before we, our foundations are continuously growing. So regardless, there's no point where you're going to go, okay, my foundations are this strong. Now I can be a pillar and a foundation. No, we are already a pillar and foundation, but it just this foundation, the stronger it gets, the better we are at being a pillar and foundation for the truth. Do you, get, do you get what I'm saying? You don't have to get to a certain point before you can do this. If you have crossed the line of faith and believed in Jesus, you are this. It just depends on how well we're going to be doing this. Does that make sense? Okay, good. All right. Okay, so the three primary ways in which we, I see in this, in this passage, um, at, at, at least... On the ways on how we can be a pillar and a foundation. The first here is that we need to one, uh, we need to the way we conduct ourselves and how we are obedient to God's word helps us become pillars. Let's look in uh, verse 15. It says, "If I delay, you might know how one ought to behave. One, how one ought to behave. Our conduct and the way we." live our lives in every aspect, enforces the truth in which we preach. Our conduct enforces the truth in which we preach. This is hugely important because if we go and mess somewhere around in business, though I've heard this a lot by men in the church, that business and Christianity are two separate things. If we go and mess someone around in business so that we can get the deal, so that we can get it more money, regardless of the amount, do you think your testimony that Jesus came and died for his sins, that he came and died for him so that he might know Christ and know God, and that we might live for him and enjoy his pleasures and one day live with him, do you think that testimony is going to hold true with the guy you've just messed around with? It doesn't know Jesus, not at all. Our conduct enforces our testimony, enforces this truth. Our disobedience then doesn't disprove the truth. Remember, truth is truth, regardless of our opinions of it, doesn't disprove the truth, but it disqualifies our testimony. It disqualifies our testimony. And this might vary, and this is hard for us as Christians. For those of you who aren't Christian in this room this, this morning, may I say that we are sinners just like you. We've just acknowledged that Jesus has come and died for our sins. Our concrete is getting harder, but it's still very soft. And we need to get better and better in this. So would you forgive us if we've, we've, we've hurt you? Because we do that often. We are sinners in this church, but we've got to make sure we do our very best because our conduct, and this is every aspect 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, Paul says, So uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Eating and drinking, every aspect, we need to saturate with the gospel so that we might live out and glorify Jesus in our conduct. All right. The second thing that I see here is that we need to confess it. That we need to confess it. We, we read in um, Romans uh, 10 verses... Uh, Romans 10 verse 14, Paul says this. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So Paul's going, how is someone meant to call on God if they haven't believed in him? And how are they meant to believe in God if they have never heard? And how are they to hear if we aren't preaching? Our conduct, while it enforces the truth that we preach, it does not preach the truth. Now let let me explain this. Driving down the road, settler's way here at 60, which is very hard to do, I'll admit. Keeping the speed limits, and someone drives past, that is not in any way going to convey the fact that Jesus died for them on the cross and that they need Jesus. Giving someone five rand at the the stop streets, is not going to convey to anyone that they need Jesus and that Jesus is the answer to their problems. Running an orphanage is not going to convey that. Running a soup kitchen is not going to convey that. The only way people can hear and believe is through our testimony in which we preach and is backed up by our conduct. Paul says in In uh, Romans 10, verse 17, he says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Hearing it. And you might say, Joey, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that. Well, just tell them why you believe. Give your testimony. As much as they might try to disprove anything, what they cannot disprove is your own personal experience. They can never take that away from you. We need to preach it. We need to preach it. And lastly, lastly, on the three ways in which we are a foundation, it's done better in community. It's done in community. We see this in in verse 15. It says here how one ought to behave in the household of God. How one ought to behave in the household. We when we are when we cross the line of faith, we are adopted, like we sung this morning, adopted into god's families we were once orphans now we are adopted which that means we brothers and sisters in christ and that means you have to put up with my silly jokes and i have to put up with the fact that some of you like olives so that's okay but what we find is when we do this in community we do it so much better two is better than one that's why we like wacky wednesdays that's why we like roman's pizza Alright? Two is always better than one. One candle, in a roo- one candle in a room is not nearly as light as two. And if we want to be exhibitors, if we want to be pillars that shine great the glory of God, if we want to be a foundation, it is important that we do it together. And let me suggest that it is vital that we do it together because the gospel is properly expressed in community. We are saved into community. We are saved into a family. So if we are a bunch of individuals running around, we are actually not being proper exhibitors of the truth. We need to do it in community. And for some of us, that means we need to get ourselves into community. We need to be more involved with other Christians. Meeting here for an hour, because I'm preaching today, for an hour doesn't mean you are in community. It means you get to meet with a bunch of other Christians for an hour. We need to be integrating our lives with each other. Meeting on Wednesdays for Bible studies. Meeting up just to have coffee, just to find out how you're doing. We need to mourn and cry together. We need to rejoice with one another. We need to love each other, forgive each other. We need to do all of that. And when we live like that, we are far stronger We are far brighter in this world, and we are greater exhibitors and bearers of this truth because that is what the gospel has called us to do. And when we live like that, Christ is glorified, not just here on a Sunday, but out in the world, in our businesses, with our friends at the pub, with our children that might not know Christ, We do it in every aspect. And when we do that, you will make a difference. You will make a difference by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of Jesus Christ. He will be glorified. So in closing, we have this great honor church. We really do. We have this, it says here that which uh, of the living God, which is the church of the living God. We're not some temple of Diana That it was this God that was made up and this idol that was made by the hands of men. But rather we have this living God who is alive and true. And we get to be his exhibitor. We get to be his um, foundation. We get to do this for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's a great honor we have. And we do so out of love for Him, but also out of the love for those who do not know Him, because they do not know life. They do not know the fullness of life. And we want them to be a part of the community that we are in, because we love them as well. Let's do this. Let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, because Jesus is glorified greater. And how awesome is that? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity of getting to know you. We thank you, Lord, that you came and you revealed yourself to us, that we get to love you and serve you. But we ask, Lord, that you'd be gracious to us and empower us with your Holy Spirit, so that we might be able to uh, live a life uh, that is a pillar and a foundation of the truth. Would you help our foundations to be continually getting harder in the gospel and let it interweave, and interweave into every aspect of our lives. Lord, would you make the time that we spend in your word and time praying just so fruitful. Help us, Lord, to do this, we pray. Help us to be better at being obedient. Would you forgive us for when we make mistakes and with those who we make mistakes to be gracious to us, we ask. Would you also give us the, the wisdom and the boldness to be able to uh, express this wonderful mystery which has been revealed to us in Jesus. And help us to, to love each other. Help us to be better in community, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.